If you tell your wife every morning that you love her and make sure every Friday you go to dinner and have like a good conversation, right? Or like your children, you read them a story every night from seven to eight and you have popcorn and watch a movie together, right? Like your relationships will be better if you do that consistently over time. In oh, any yeah. aspect of your life, small, simple, boring, you go to the same restaurant, have the same conversations, say the same one. That stuff leads to success in every aspect of your life. So it's not just in business. We make mistakes every day in basically every facet of life. Wouldn't it be nice to just skip a few? We'll help you fuck up less. Listen in. You want to bring our first guest on the podcast, dude? Look at this. I don't know. Who is it? Johnny G. I can't see it. (laughs) Bring him on. Bring him on. Yo, dude. You're live on me and Bob's podcast. All right, so John just randomly called up during our podcast. We got to put him on. If, for those of you who don't know, um, John is soon to be Bob's um, brother-in-law. Brother-in-law. Yep, brother-in-law. Mm-hmm. And then um, Bob is, um, you know, our head honcho here at Case Connect. Um, you know, I mean, I would I would call him a sales. I am. I think that would be no, 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 John. <laughs> John. Oh, I, I thought I you call, said Bob. I would call you a sales rep but that is that would be demeaning to you and all the amazing work you do and everything you do for the company so you're a head honcho here but i gotta give credit like for guys like john Mm -hmm. like john had he has the passion he has the drive he's worked his ass off to develop the skills and he just he just had to be given an opportunity and i think that's where a lot of people are it's like he started with probably one of the uh best avenues for anybody one of the best skills for somebody to develop and that was like the sales skill he didn't know what he didn't know but he was all about it went all in started learning the skills of becoming an appointment setter and then truly after learning skills of sale and one of the cool things you know he does for you as well is he does just do the sales and you've trained him and developed him so much but he also does help with like the fulfillment aspect of things he's actually but i think live that that- on video listening to you right now <laughs> uh, bob what's going on brother <laughs> What's up, dude? I'm just uh, hanging yeah, beside you, man. Just uh, getting some sales up this morning. You know, no big deal. We got uh, we got one of did our you, big clients. Did you close, did you close any? Uh, we don't have any new closes, but we do have some new payments in. So the closes coming. Then what the are you afternoon. doing on this call? Yeah, you got to be dialing, bro. <laughs> what are you I've doing? Been dialing since like eight o'clock. Angelo, uh, Angelo told me to hop on. Um, yeah, you know, I thought it was cool to bring John on because we like last week's episode was like about it. sales, right? And then like. You know, just to have somebody who's literally, because for anybody that's listening at home, right? Like, um, John literally just listened to us and followed what we said, and like he have a similar opportunity that that pe- listeners of this podcast have, right? But you know, John's been through what you're going through and like soaked up the knowledge, and like as we just we just did a live call with him, but you know, John went from, you know, I don't know if you want to tell your story, John, again, real quick, um, just summarize it because you're on video now, but yeah. like. I went, I went from like a job that like I genuinely hated my life. I mean, like maybe a grand a month. It sucked um, to, you know, coming in with Case Connect, you know, Bob kind of taught me like the basics of sales, got me hooked up with you. Um, obviously, you know, you taught me a, just more than I could ever imagine. It's like a shitload about sales. Um, but I went from like literally hating waking up being so pumped, like, dude, we're here to make money. We're here to make like, change people's lives, um, you know. So, I mean, the sales part is really fun. Like the client at like success is really fun. It's just like getting to see people like, damn, I'm getting results and my clients are making a ton of money. That's killer. But long story short for me, you know, I went from having no money to like being like, damn, afford to 
pay rent each month. I, I have a great savings. Like I'm looking to buy a house. Like the you know, tell us what's in your savings account, man. Don't be shy. Talking about I hope you're trying to buy a rental. He already told us. I hope you're not buying a house for yourself. No, 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 no. I'm buying. I'm buying a little triplex, man. That's a uh, that's that's okay, a good. Smart. I, I think. Yeah. I think when I was talking to Giants, like, what should I do? I was like, dude, you, like, why don't you just buy like a duplex or triplex? Just live in the live in the top and rent out the other two. Like, you literally yeah. live for free. You still, still keep saving your money. You always had that piece of real estate. It's like, yeah. That's my favorite story about Arnold. Is do you know how Arnold made his first million, John or Angela? I don't. Real estate, right? Yeah, real estate. So a lot of people think that Arnold made his first million, like whether it be acting or I don't think they think bodybuilding because bodybuilding really didn't. It was his vehicle to fame uh, and success. But his first million was actually made in real estate. And that's like when he came over to the US, he bought a duplex or, or a quadplex, whatever, or fourplex, whatever the fuck it's called. Lived in like one of them, rented it out, made money. And then he just kept going up and up and up, um, you know, within real estate. And that's where he actually started, I think, making his 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 first real money before like his acting career and all that really took off, you know, while he's being super successful in bodybuilding and building up that other area. I think that's, yeah. that's a great idea though, John. I think that's awesome. Cause that's where, if you just do it now and you just, just keep buying real estate over the next decade, yeah. that's awesome. Right. Dude, how what, old are you? How, how old are you right now? 27? Uh, 24. 24. Jesus Christ. You're 24 years old. If you could just buy one triplex a year, because you've saved up in one year, what, almost 50 grand? Yeah, I've got I've got 30K in savings, you know, another like 15K in uh, my like my Roth. So it's like Good. things are going well. So if, you, if you're able to do that every year, that's enough for a down payment for a property, right? Like because you still live, right? Like you still – that's not including your living expenses. Like that's literally the same. If you could just buy one triplex a year and yeah. for the next yeah. 10 years. It would be huge. I don't know enough about real estate, but being that like you're young, you have – it would be your first – property Angela you probably know this isn't there a lot of like first time buying things you can do with even like a lower percentage just to get it yeah, well, in only because you live in it and then you get none of this is financial advice and I'm not a real estate broker or mortgage broker but um you have an FHA loan where you can put three percent down for your first property but it has to be owner occupied for the first year so you have to live in it so like yeah you can mm -hmm. do that but like dude you have the money to maybe go out and buy just two of them right away right off the rip right and then like live out one now you got six units you live in one, the other five are making you money while you're living, right? Mm -hmm. And like every year, you just buy one more. Dude, in 10 years, let's just say you own, say the triplexes are $1,000 each floor, right? So you bring in $3,000 a year or $3,000 a month times 12. Each each triplex bring in 36 grand a year. Let's take 25% off of that for like expenses, right? So let's say 25% off of that for expenses. So you're talking about nine grand a year. Um, what's your mortgage on something like that? Maybe it's 200, let's say two grand, three grand. So let's say, let's say you walk away with 15 grand a year off each of those, right? And then you have what? We, we talked about buy one every year for the next 10 years, right? It's a hundred awesome. grand a year off of that. Plus when your mortgages are paid off, each one of those is worth 36,000. And that's not accounting for pre depreciation or anything, but $36,000 a year times 10, that's $360,000 a year. Never doing anything else again. All your bills are paid. Yeah. And that's, Dude, I, by then your mortgages should be paid off. You should be taking out fifteen-year mortgages on them. I love the way you think about money, dude. I absolutely love the way you think about money. 
it's, and listen, it's all the money you put in, right? And then think about that. So you're making $360,000 a year. So here's the math on it, right, John? If you were to be able to buy one triplex, and everybody should listen to this because this is really smart. I don't have the discipline to do this because I like Ferraris and Lambos and G-Wagons. It's really tough for me to have the discipline. I do it not as much as I should. So if somebody can do what I say and not what I do, they'll never have to work again. If you just, it's simple, right? Baba, you always talk about like, you can have a pest care business and be a millionaire, right? Buying one triplex a year is simple, stupid, and it's not going to make anybody rich overnight, right? But like 10 properties, right? $36,000 a year, those properties are bringing in. You still, at the end, when they're all paid off, you still have all the equity. So you're making $360,000 a year off of those 10 properties, right? You're literally yep. making $360,000 a year for waking up, right? And then- you have equity in all those properties. So say all those properties are worth 250. That's low. That's low. That's low. You're worth $2.5 million in equity. When you go to a bank, they look at you different. You got $2.5 million of value in bricks in real houses sitting there and you're making $360,000 a month. The bank is going to be Jonathan. Jonathan, Jonathan, come here, please. Would you like a Pellegrino? I would not. If, well, you, got one. if you got one, yeah, let me get one. And on top of that, you know, with having the skills of sales, so let's say you just stuck in sales or anything like that, you can have one focus where you're like, I'm going to drive a high income mm -hmm. and I'm going to be making that cash. I'm putting it elsewhere. And that's the whole point of investments. I don't think I didn't know this. This is something I did not know until just a couple of years ago, because I only thought the path to wealth. And there is a great book like, you know, this is basic investment called The Simple Path to Wealth. But I thought the path to wealth was like what I had to create active income, the business right. I'm building, multiple businesses. You can also make it way simpler than that. You can have your own business or have a job that is very high earning. So being a salesperson opens you up to having probably some of the highest earning potential of any career. You take that, you then put it into real estate, which is boring as shit. And you just let that accumulate because you don't want to have to stress about where your money's going. Yeah. That's the whole point of investing. It's not like, hey, let me take this high risk stuff. It's like, I'm going to be putting or taking the high risk in business, developing my skills, making it like a high income, then put it elsewhere that I know mm -hmm. over time is going to give me that predictable cash flow or that predictable return of investment to increase my network. That's the whole point of it. Right. And I yeah. think I didn't know that. I did not know that. When I, like John, because I remember telling you when you told me you had 20 grand saved up. I was like, dude, that's how much I had when I started my business. But I didn't know these things. I didn't have a boss previously like you do with Angelo, who is like, don't be fucking stupid with your money. Do it here, here, here. Or honestly, people AKA just don't invest it all in some crypto, no matter what people <laughs> tell you. Dodge that but, bullet, dude. Dodge that bullet so hard. <laughs> a lot of it's it's cool. One of the cool things about right now and, and how social media has changed everything is how much the knowledge that was kind of kept secret is being made aware to everybody. Right. Back yeah. then, when I first started my business in prior, it may, there was definitely people talking about it, but not anybody in the circles that I was in, not anybody that I had quick access to. I really had to dig and I really had right. to find. And it took me a long time to actually, and plus I wasn't always open to it due to some ego issues, but it took me a while to be like, oh, like that's, as I was building this, I should have been doing X, Y, Z the whole time. You know, and I did, I made, I built an amazing freaking business. Uh, and then a bunch of businesses that went into that too. But yeah, that is like, because I remember sharing with you, that was the amount of money that I had. I, I had 20 grand when I opened up Legion yeah. and then it created a bunch of opportunities. So you're making more than I was at your age. 
And then if you start making really good disciplined investments along the way, as you're continuing to develop skills, it's one of the things I think I, I bet you is a motivating factor. You will be the richest one of your siblings. 100%. Like I know my, that motivates the yeah. shit out of you. Good thing we didn't yeah. release this podcast. Well, dude, you know, it's, it's really interesting. Oh, we will. Z's going to want to punch you in the throat after that comment. <laughs> no, Z wants him to be successful. Well, he's yeah. technically will be richer because he's competing with me and I'm going to yeah. win. But, <laughs> you know, one of his actual siblings, John will be the yeah. richest. Yeah, you know, it's it's really interesting, man. And Bob, when you said like making like good decisions, right? Like, you know, putting your money in the right places, like not being like a fucking like dumbass. Sorry, I don't know if you, you can swear on this podcast. You have um, to swear. You do whatever you want. Off. But dude, it's been really like one of the biggest changes to over like the past year has not only been like income wise, but it's also just been like, like, okay, what am I going to do this weekend? Am I going to go out and get blasted, spend like 500 bucks at the bar or... Am I going to like read or like take a course, right? Like, like the, the, the Cole, the Cole Gordon course I've gone through like you know, two or three times this on the weekends. It's awesome. Uh, but like, and I think it kind of stems just from like, from, and I'm sure Angelo, you, I don't know if you got this from Bob or Bob, if you pass this on the Angelo, but like, dude, I feel like we just have such an intense, like hyper accountability, like at, at case connect. Like, it's like, I can't afford to be a dumbass on the weekends. Cause I want to make sure I'm good on Monday. You know, it's cool. I think I that's that the you. culture. That's a culture that, I mean, that's hundred percent Angelo, the culture that he's built in case. And that's hundred percent you Angelo. That's a similar culture that I had when I was growing Legion, especially early on. It was relentless. Like it was perform or get the fuck out. And that's similar. That's any really, I believe fast growing organization needs to have. Cause then you attract those a players right. when there isn't a light. I used to have in the wall, of uh, the, the downtown Legion off, office. And this is still something I truly believe. Mediocrity is failure. So I had that written on the whiteboard. So every day and multiple times a day, I saw that. And I think too many people settle for mediocrity. And for some people, that's totally cool. Whatever, that's the life they want. That's not the life I want. And that's not the businesses that I want to have. Yeah. You know, and I think, I know that's like Angelo, because when Angelo and I were in Tipro Syndicate, I was like, this motherfucker is relentless. I was like, damn. Like, and that yeah. is something I think that you and I do share. It's like we wake up and we go to bed, and that's all we're thinking about. And yep. a lot of it came from early on. Same thing. It was like, hey, I got free time. I can go get blasted or I can, you know, develop my skills. And it's so easy when you're younger to develop skills. You have so much time. It's compounding when you get older and you get tired. <laughs> it's not as easy. It's, but it's tough. Yeah. It and then, and then when you're saying de- dealing with somebody like me and Fitpro, I remember, you know, one, <laughs> this one morning, I, I like every morning I woke up, I'll just, I chose violence and anger every morning. We walked into the meetings. I'm like, this needs to be like this, this needs to be like this. And Bob was like, one time he's like, stay in your effing lane. You're not in the marketing department. You're not in tech. Leave it the F alone. Just do what you do and leave me the FB. And I couldn't help but tinker with everybody's shit and torture everybody in every department. He's like, if you have nothing to do, you just go in everybody else's shit and find something to do because you just have to be active. You're just driving me and everybody else crazy. Yeah. And there I was not getting in your sales lane and letting you do the jam. But I, you know, that's probably I think that's why works, man. That's probably literally why Case Connect works. Is you, I, I get overwhelmed just by doing like my simple stuff every day. And Angela's like, "This needs to be done. This needs to be done." That's probably that, that's amazing, man. I think that's a that's a trait. I don't know if that's a. I guess that is a, probably a skill 
that can be about, but I do think high level and I'll, I'll just say probably entrepreneurs. And I think a lot of founders, you know, the people that can do the zero to one really well. And Angela, you've exemplified that both with the franchise location and then this business. And honestly, FitPro, because I remember in one of your videos, Angela was like, oh, it was a failed business. That business didn't fail. We shut it down. It was yeah. actually very, it was very successful, very fast. Yeah. We all just didn't, we recognized that we, the three of us in it were probably not the best combination. But I think that relationships, is, to be honest, like we're, I think like if we kept going there, we were probably going to murder each other and end up on the news. Probably. <laughs> probably we'd have I, I feel like there was times where there would be days where angela and i wouldn't even talk it was a very toxic me and bob toxic would be in a fight and her other partner would be like and i'd call him like do you believe that mother effort and he'd be like i just hung up with him he's saying the same thing about you would you two just talk you're like two women that are a bigger or something and then i'm the guy in between just answering all your stuff he's like just talk to each other god <laughs> so i think one it's it's we have we're pretty much our 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 skills are very very similar, yeah. very different like traits. I think Angela, you're way more like in the weeds and meticulous and certain stuff. Um, but I do think I don't know if that's something that's a that's probably a skill that can be developed because I didn't have that originally. But I do think there is an ability for founders that are good to that zero to one to understand every aspect of their business. Yeah, and I do think I think too many people that try and start businesses. And Angela, you give me that shit about this too, is they try and delegate stuff too quickly. And I realize the mistakes that I've done or like in some of the business I've done is like when I was doing the um the products, when I had uh, the greens and all that stuff, one of the mistakes that I made is I hired too many people way too quickly and I delegated too many things too quickly. Yeah. And just because it was like I knew the skills, I had that stuff, but I think I think too many people early on, or too, maybe maybe I don't know where I'm roundabout going with this, but I think a, a skill that a lot of founders have is the ability to understand the entirety of their business, to recognize where the issues are, the mistakes are. I also think that's something that hampers them once they right. get to the the next level, because that's where like to let go and you have to delegate yeah. or else you can't grow. But like you can mm -hmm. get the, like uh, in in ready aim fire, you're talking about like I like how he said it was like founders and ready fire aim beginning ready fire aim right wait ready aim fire. Ready fire. Ready fire. Ready fire you're not aiming. You're just fucking shooting. Boom. boom, 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 boom. boom. <laughs> I'll hit somebody eventually. It's smart. Hey, guys. Um, I got to prep for my 11 call here. I'm going to hang go out. Go ahead, but... dude, because I don't want you to get fired by your boss. Thank you for hopping on. Yeah, that would suck. All right. Peace out, boys. Peace. Um, that's pretty cool, John. Jumped on. Um, yeah. But yeah, like in that book, dude, that was really cool. Like when I called you and told you yesterday, he was like, um, in the beginning, he's like, it's just like what the business is from, I get from zero to a million a month or whatever, zero to a million a year, whatever it was. He's like, it's just like, the founder, the entrepreneur saying, like telling everybody, you do this, you do that, you do this. And like, there's everybody's just doing what you say. It's like, yep. you're doing this, you're doing this, do it this way, do it that way. But then like, you're right. There's comes to a point where it's like, you can't operate that way if you want to get from $10 million a year to $50 million a year, right? There's, there have to be changes. You have to let things go. Um, yeah. And I struggle with that. And I think I struggle with that because that's like when Legion got to the point where, I mean, it was a pretty big gym business. Because I remember being in a room where I was in, you know, that's when I joined Entrepreneurs Organization. And I remember being in a room of, and I didn't realize at the time, this is where I switched from under, like, the revenue vanity metrics versus profit in the business. And I was just thinking about this recently. But I remember being in that room, and I might have had maybe one of these smaller businesses of my pod. Because if you're not familiar with Entrepreneurs Organization, super, super great. It's international. Uh, there's... That's usually it's like one million to ten or fifteen million is sometimes in the group, but there's always overlap, and then you have YPO. 
um, which is even bigger businesses, but it's not just founders. Generally speaking, EO are founders of the business. And uh, you get little pods. So you get four to six people, I think, or something like that, maybe six to eight that you get to meet with every single week. And they're usually different industries. And this was the realization to me is that it doesn't matter the industry, all businesses are the same. Right. You know, and like in scaling up sets, it's people, strategy, execution, and cash. And that's it. And then you have all the other stuff that kind of goes into it. And I remember being in this and I, I, I think I didn't, since it was, I was an immature, let's say business owner, I didn't realize how amazing the business that I, that I built was. And then it started clicking to me and it's still, it's been actually, sometimes I, I look back and I'm like, oh shit, like that was actually pretty epic. You know, the business that I've been able to create within Legion. Um, and I remember realizing that I was doing more profit than a business that was doing 20 million a year in revenue. And I was like, oh shit, like that's pretty sick. I don't know where, why I went on that tangent, but it was pretty cool. That was like a shift for me. But one of the things I also realized because the point of the business that I was at, there was constraints. I didn't know necessarily, I didn't have the skills, I didn't have the knowledge to take it to the next level. Right. And then either, it's tough to, if you don't have the skills, it's really tough to develop people because if you're an aide at something, how are you gonna get somebody above you? They have to have right. that in them to go above right, right. or you have to bring those people out. And I know that's part of our conversation that we've even had like the last like couple of weeks for you is it's like, hey, you've gotten the business to this point. What's the, there's a couple of different levers like, of what you could take to the next level, people, products, all that stuff. Uh, but that's the, I think the fun part and the difficult part, because that's right. as a founder, it's really difficult to then start releasing those things and trusting other people right. uh, to know that they're the ones who are going to take it the next step. Same thing with that book by Jim Collins. Good to great. Yeah. If you take a look at any company that's become great, the people that started it, people when it was at level one, level two, level three, they're all different people. Going back to like this, because I was going to talk about when John comes in here, but like, you, I, I like I would, what sticks with me. This is this pest control thing you always say. Like we could have a, a boring thing like a landscape company or a pest control business, right? And it's, it goes back to the the theme of our podcast, right? Small inputs consistently over time leads to large outcomes, right? And like just it's really it's it's cool. Like grabbing one of these, super dope, right? Grabbing a G, grabbing a Ferrari, grabbing a Lambo, super cool, right? Attractive, sexy, right? What's not sexy? Go and buy a property that nobody knows about, right? Mm -hmm. Every single year. And like, it doesn't even look nice. It's in like some mediocre neighborhood, right? And then you only make, and then people are like, oh, your mortgage is 2000 You're only making $2,800 a month off of it. You make $800 a month off of it, mm -hmm. right? And you just put 50 grand down to make that, right? So that's not sexy. But in 10 years, when you have 10 of them and a couple of them are paid off and you're worth over a mil and a half and you're making, you know, a couple hundred grand a year, that becomes real sexy. And then you can go, go get a watch, a car and all that stuff. But like you have, well, to that's freedom. Right. But you have to, you have to, how do you yeah. control yourself? Like, you know, I find myself falling into the, the, uh, the path of like instant gratification. Like how do you do the simple, stupid, boring things over and over? I do it with my business and I preach everybody else to do that with business. But like, how do you do it with your money? Right? Like you, like if you do that same thing in any aspect of your life, you'll be successful. If you tell your wife every morning that you love her and make sure every Friday you go to dinner and have like a good conversation, right? Or like your children, you read them a story every night from seven to eight and you have popcorn and watch a movie together, right? Like your relationships will be better if you do that consistently over time. In yeah, any yeah. aspect of your life, small, simple, boring, you go to the same restaurant, have the same conversations, say the same one. 
that stuff leads to success in every aspect of your life. So it's not just in business. I don't know why I went on a tangent, but like it's hard for me sometimes to apply my own stuff to other aspects of my life when I know I do it with business and it works. I think the two, as I'm like, as I'm listening, one of the things, because I get 100% I agree. If I was to go back and tell 24 year old, 25 year old Bob and start a business, you know, originally at first I didn't really spend any money. Then once I started making a shit ton of money, I started spending money because I wanted people to know that I had yeah. money. Like that's why do, why do people buy? Like at the end of the day, it comes down to egos. Like we want people, but there's also like those things True. are nice. And I, you and I are car guys, so we love cars. And it comes well, down to- we love to, a car, if we didn't like, pull up and people are taking pictures of it and we're like, yo, they're taking pictures of my car. It's like, it, it's one of those things where it ticks the box, but at the end of the day, it's so hard to understand, you know, now 10 years into the game and having some, some semi-passive somewhat assets, understanding that if I did this from the very beginning, if I was to go back and do it again, I would be investing in real estate the entire time because that's where true freedom, whether it's you have real estate, it's in the stock market or whatever, something you can put it away, not worry about it. It produces for you. And really in the long term, because obviously the stock market's down right now. Right. But that's where true freedom comes down to when you wake up and you're like, I'm good. Doesn't matter. Like, I don't have to worry about it. Whereas I think the difference, I never really thought about it, but like within business, those repeated boring efforts, I got something stuck in my eye. The reason that it's easy for us to do it is because we do get the instant gratification. We see the money. Yeah, We get the cash. So it's not, it's, we've had to develop those skills over time, but over time, we're consistently getting that instant gratification because we're seeing the bank account go up. That's you know, like a it's, 10 it's, month it's thing, like, and real yeah. estate might be a 10 to 20 year thing, right? Yeah. And I think there is something too with the founder mentality of the, the people that like going zero to one is to go zero to one, you have your back against the wall. You're either starting with no money, you spend all your money or anything like that, which then right. forces us to produce at a higher level. So I do think there is parts to it where when you do, and I'm not advocating overspending, but you know, when I was definitely in the phase of overspending, it I did know I had to continue to earn and it continue to push. So anyway, I just think it's tough. I think that it is like you get the instant gratification because we see the bank account, we make, you know, we get the cash and we see the instant results as well as the long-term results. And we also love it. Like these are our hobbies. This is what we enjoy doing. Right. Some people love binging on Netflix, and I do love that. I also just love developing skills, implementing those skills, refining them, and all of that. Whereas that's for true, and that's what people don't understand. True freedom. The whole reason that we create a business, even if this isn't how we got into it, is to actually have an asset that will one day allow us to not have to work. Right. The reason, if we're making money, if we're smart with it, and we can delay that gratification, we can put it away. That's where we actually get true freedom. True freedom is when you're. When your living expenses are surpassed by activities that don't require any energy from you. That's true passive investment. So even if it's, if your living expenses are five grand a month and your investments bring you six grand a month, you're going to wake up that month going, I'm good. Especially if you're still working, you know, and you're still earning an active income. So yeah, I mean, I can't find right now, but it's uh, Robert Kiyosaki, rich dad, poor dad. It's like my dude, I actually never read that. It's a good book. So my dad got me that book when I was like 14 and like put it in my head. And like one of the big takeaways were like, you know, he taught about like how like the rich invest in assets and the poor Mm -hmm. invest in liabilities. And he's like, your money should be made here 
moved into assets and you think of it like a box like oh i wish i had the i wish i had my ipad hooked up i don't but like there's a box here and there's a box here and then you're at the bottom right so i think like mm -hmm. this right here is like the money you make and this is an asset right and then like the liabilities are like right here right yeah so like you take all your money that you make and put it into assets right which then like pay off your liabilities and like your assets grow bigger so like if you invest in assets they eventually grow large enough to pay for liability. So like if you're not making a thousand dollars a month passively, you shouldn't have a thousand dollar a month car payment. If you're not making, you know, like so say, hey, hey, I want to go buy a fifty thousand dollar Rolex. Cool. Do you have rental properties and investments that are making you more than fifty thousand dollars a month passively? No. Then you never take money from this pot right here where you're mm -hmm. personally making to buy a liability. You buy another asset until it can pay for that liability. Like that was like yeah. the one lesson I pulled from that was like really, really good. So do I have investments? Yes. Will my investments cover all my like psychotic tendencies? No, they won't. Um, you know, if, if I ever had to, I can tone them down and my assets will take care of that. But, you know, it's like he always said like, I will not buy a liability unless my asset can pay it off. Like you never want to base what you're buying off of like what you personally work for. Mm -hmm. that, that you can lose your job tomorrow. You can lose your ability to work tomorrow. Right? Yeah. So it said every dollar you make into the assets until they can pay for all the liabilities and make your decisions based on that. This is, I mean, that's one of the, the biggest guys now became a billionaire. It was Grant Cardone. That was this whole thing too. You know, and that was funny because I've heard that and I never read that book. I knew the book and I was, uh, driving with a buddy of mine a couple months ago, uh, who owns chiropractor, a chiropractic facility. He's blowing it up, We're talking real estate. He's getting some real estate and all that. And he's just sharing me that. I was like, I didn't know that was the whole point of the book. And I wish that was a book that I read when I was younger, because it does reframe your beliefs. Now, and I do think, and I think there's always, there, there's people that are in such extremes. Like there's the extreme that spends every fucking penny they make. Right. You know, especially if they're in business and you can see it. And, and I remember being at an Ed my an event for Arte Syndicate and Ed Milet speaking about like, that's when you're an adolescent, like you think you made it, but you actually haven't made it yet because you don't understand that that can go away like tomorrow. And it's every business owner that's been in the game for long enough has told you there's, there's been, there's, there's ups and downs. Oh, yeah. And some people, some people are fortunate where they never experienced it, but there's probably going to be a time most likely for everybody where it goes down. But you know, there's, there's the spectrum where people just spend every penny. And then there's a spectrum where people don't even enjoy their life. And I think that was one of the things that I got from one of the first books I read actually before the book that I read before I opened up Legion. So when I was going, I would work my full-time job, like eight, 10, 12 hours a day. I would then drive an hour away, train this family for one to two hours in their basement. And then I'd drive home. And sometimes I would get there early. And then I would also do it on my only day off. So I would do that on Sundays because I would work my other job on Saturdays. Yeah. I did this for probably six months to a year before I opened. I can't remember the exact time frame. But it was like at least six months. But as I was driving there to do this, I would I, one of the books that I read prior, I read E-Myth. And then I read The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. Yeah, yeah. And the thing, both of those essentially are build businesses that systemize themselves. So you can systemize a business that then you're not having to just trade time for money. So that's a big thing. That has been a big philosophy of, of my business. So don't want to trade time for money. But then the other thing, and here's my ADD kicking up. So I'm literally losing my train of thought. This is, there we go. I don't want to wait until I'm dead, till I retire, till I hit that number 
to experience like life. You know, you, you're never guaranteed tomorrow. So I do think that that is, that's why there's a spectrum where, yeah, you want to make sure that you're, if you have a number, you have a target, it's all about wealth It's all about time. So right. you're going to get to that point, but also don't strip yourself from right. the, the amazing things in life. And I remember a story a nice vacation and a nice dinner yeah. and some things. And, you know, if you want to buy a nice car, afford yourself some, a little wiggle room for that stuff. Yeah. It's like, there's a story of this couple that saves up to go on a cruise and it's their first cruise. And they haven't been on vacation in a while and they're really like scrimping and they really want to uh, make sure they enjoy it. So they go on this cruise and then they pack all their food. So like they're eating like breakfast, lunch, and dinners. I think it's, let's say it's a seven day cruise for the first six days. They're eating it, you know, in their, in their room, instead of going to the restaurants on the cruise ship. And on the final day they go, cause they're like, we're going to explore. We're going to have this amazing meal on the last night. And that way we're only spending it one time. And they go there, they get this amazing meal. They order all this food, these drinks, and they go to pay. And they're like, it's included in your cruise. I was you know, and that's that like cut you off. I'm glad I didn't cut you off. Wait, I thought that yeah, was- it's, <laughs> and then so that's what they realize, and that's kind of like I've always looked at. You know, this journey is you can wait until you're 60, and then be like, hey, I've I've earned all this stuff, I've done all this stuff, and I can now do these things. But then what happens when you are diagnosed with one more year left to live, and you've sacrificed, and you haven't shown up, and you haven't done that, you know, your entire life? So I think it's one of the great things about being an entrepreneur. One of the great things about you know being in business for yourself and really creating an unlimited income, take it out of your puppies, is the fact that you can do this now. You know, and I was fortunate, especially in my late twenties and and like when I was like probably what thirty or so, like dude, I got to travel all over. I used to have a place in Mexico once a month. I would go down to my place in Playa del Carmen, you know, and I obviously don't mind chilling myself. I'd go down by myself, I'd party for the weekend, and I would come back, and it was so awesome. You know, so I was able to build those experiences. Yeah. You know, as I was also building my business while also still creating assets and building wealth and still stacking my cash. So right. I don't think that has to necessarily be mutually exclusive. Right. No, there's a, there's a good balance. And I think that it should be relative to your income, right? Like if you make a million dollars a year, you should say like, Hey, I'm going to be investing 500,000 and I'm going to live off of 200 and then you'll have a relatively yeah. comfortable life. Right. Like, so I think that you afford yourself at relative to what you're making, right? Like you're not saying like, I deserve yeah. to go to Mexico every weekend and it's like you make a hundred grand a year. It's like, no, that's stupid, right? Like it doesn't mm-hmm. make sense. But like I was even talking to my father in law the other day about like he was like I was in his house and he's he's got like a like a forty year old TV and the guy loves watching TV. He wants his Hulu app and all this and he like won't pay for Hulu and he's been like he's been talking about it for like a year straight and then getting the TV and Hulu. And I was like so frustrated in there. Best the t- it was like an ADS TV was like eight hundred dollars was on sale for. And I was just like, I ordered a TV. I'm like, yo, it'll be here. They're installing it tomorrow or Wednesday. He was like, no, 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 no. Don't spend the money. Don't spend the money. I'm like, dude, you're, you're 70 years old. Like, what are you going to do? Buy it when you're 90 and your eyes go and you can't see? I'm like, just watch TV. Just enjoy TV, dude. Like, you can't take any of this money with you. And But he comes from a different, like, he, they're, yes. they're from, you know, Soviet Union, right? Like, they they have a whole different mindset and, like, so I think mm-hmm. that your your upbringing has a little bit to do with it, right? Because they 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 believe that there will never be another penny coming, and you better have enough to survive ten lifetimes, right? Because somebody yeah. will come by and take it and like hide it and keep it. So there's like, but it's like, yeah, there comes a point where like you got to enjoy to a certain degree. Like, I'm not talking about going buying a Rolls Royce, right? Like that's a TV, right? It's like a thousand bucks you can afford it. They have plenty of money to buy it, right? 
just, I mean, how much value you're going to get? You're never going to watch it. You're going to be able to watch Eagles games. It's like, just do the technology and TV changes like every year i could only imagine how crappy that Dude, it was TV a giant has. box like sony and it had I'd, a stand that it had its own stand that had to be made to fit the tv it was like i'm like what i would this? yeah I'm, i remember those because you see it and you're like man i remember when i was a kid i'd be like wow my dad would get the tv like, this is tv is like amazing and then like i have an 82 inch here that i haven't even hooked up because i think this house came with like a 60 something and i actually think that this tv even though they're both samsung the one that was in this house that i bought I think the image quality because it's a newer TV is actually a little bit better. Yeah, it's crazy. I also, when I was moving, I was moving this uh, one from when I moved it from Philly out here, from Westchester out here. There's like a line in the middle. So he's like, I don't want that thing on the fucking wall. Yeah. But the technology changes so quickly. His experience watching TV is going to be unreal. Night and day. Now, there's an awesome book called The Psychology of Money. Because yeah. that was one of the things I realized I read, a couple years ago. I, I, read like, that. I need, you actually yeah, uh, told me to read that. Yeah, I was like, man, I really need to change my understanding of money and wealth and all that stuff. And that was one of the, a great book uh, along that journey that I read. And I think that goes exactly to that. You are shaped like the how you, how you believe in money and, and the relation or the relationship that you have with money, the things that you do with your money, right. are all shaped by your experiences. So somebody born during that time in so communist Soviet Russia, where right. everything was taken and had nothing, right? They're going to have that like trauma imprinted in them. Somebody born right. in the Great Depression, you know, where it's, right. you know, and I saw something and I didn't read it, but it was like somebody who could be like, they're born in the Great Depression, all these wars, like several wars, massive inflation or recessionary periods. Like they, they've been like, what the fuck? Whereas, you know, our time period has been relatively pretty good, you know, so we've been in it. So my relationship with money is it's just complete abundance. It's just a matter of how much do I want to make? And that's really it. And so I think that you do have to invest and spend your money with what's going to help you sleep at night. That's ultimately all that comes down to. Whether like the business that you have, the investments that you make, the cash on hand that you have, it's all going to be shaped by one how you were raised, the time periods that you were raised, you know, who raised you, as well as like then the changes that you make, but what just allows you to sleep at night? Like your the investment strategy I have, I'm very very in a, my risk tolerance has gone gone down ever since, you know, because I'm getting married. Mine, has, mine has a little bit too. Yeah, it's like now it's when it was just me, I could reset and go back to zero and it wouldn't really bother me. You know, I could put it all on the line. Now I do think of things way differently because, you know, I got the kiddo and the fiance, you know, right. it's about to be a family. So now the decisions don't just impact me, they impact all of us. And my mindset now, whereas before was how much can Bob make, you know, how quickly and grow this stuff and what, you know, what can I build this business up to? And then, yes, I was influenced by taking care of my, my, uh, my employees and building a great career for them. But now it's also of, Hey, when the kid's 18 years old, you know, when she's, you know, 30, I want to make sure that she has generational wealth and never has to worry. And then her kids won't have to worry and the other kids that we have as well. So like, that's what I'm shaped on. So what I'm building now and building towards is way different, which is going to influence my risk tolerance. You know, so I'm not, even though I love to take, you know, big swings, go for the home run. I also have to be mindful that I'm hitting just, I'm just getting the base hits along the way nowadays. Whereas yeah. before, it wasn't always like that. Like, and it's the same thing with investing, right? When you're younger, it's like, put it all in Bitcoin. And at the end, you're like, oh, man, I want something a little safer, like blue chip stocks. And I mean, it's like, oh, it's like, would it, Hormozzi have a post about it? it was like, or somebody else had a post about billionaires. are like, I'm just trying to preserve wealth. I think it was a pot, another podcast I was, I was listening to. He's like, the difference between me and you is like, well, when you make your first billion, you're trying to get there. He's like, I'm just trying to keep my money. Like, after you, 
it's a different, yeah, it's making it versus keeping it. It's a development of wealth and then it becomes preservation of wealth, you know, and that's really what it comes down to is you're not going to see somebody like Warren Buffett or Charlie Munger take the, take risky bets. They actually don't take risky bets. Yeah. It's all about preservation. It's like, there's a different, your strategies, you know, there was a, a guy in one of the groups I'm in, he sold uh, his business for about 120, 130 million. Yeah. And it was, you know, a business that his father started that he then blew up and took to the next level. And he's young, like right. 35, you know, so it's when they're looking at the wealth development strategy, 1% of 100 million compounding is fucking significant. Yeah. You know, so it's like, they're not looking to say, Hey, if I put this money here, I want to get 10, 15, 20%. Right. It's, I want to put the majority here. So if I'm making three to 5% a year. I'm golden. Right. And right. that's where, again, it's preservation. I don't want to lose this. I want to keep this and get it to incrementally grow. Whereas that zero to one game is built. Right. It's I'm going to take these big swings, especially after something it's like in the, I'm really happy that I started my business in the, in my twenties. And I don't think there's ever a wrong time to start business. Like Bezos yeah, started in his forties. When you have a family and kids and a mortgage, it's like, you, you got it's different things that, that you think about, right? Yeah. You can't sleep but it's in a also, gym floor or a closet and like screw it. You know, but I also wonder too, and and you have with you having two kids now, during the best business that you've built, you know, the one that is having, you know, has that has the legs and it built fast. You know, I remember in the twenties, you can take the risk, you can lose it, build it, lose it, build it, lose it, but you got so much. The time horizon is so long, right. you know. And I remember my first mentor in the gym space, Sam Bakhtiar. You know, he had his first gym which was, uh, I think it was a semi-private and a personal training gym. And there's always these pendulums that go on. Like so many people love small group and semi-private right now. If there's a recession, good fucking luck. I actually really like small group. I think it's a great model. I also love large group. I don't think it's like, boot, and I shared that with you, that you know, large group, boot camp facilities, back on the rise, baby. Right, right, right. But right, right. Um, anyway, so he had his first, his first facility. He was younger, you know, he partied, he did all that. The recession hit pretty much lost it all. And that's when he like built out the next business. And once he had his kids, he was in his forties. Then he had his two girls, like his entire perspective on building and work. And he already had that like just relentless work ethic. It just amplified because he had his kids. And so I do think there is the, the benefit if you're building something later in life or you're continuing to build later in life, having that where it's like, it's not just you who gets fucked in this situation is a huge amazing driving factor for long-term success. Whereas when you're in the twenties, the cool thing is it doesn't matter. That's why I'm a big believer of not getting married until you're, you know, you've already kind of had your shit set. Focus, be, be selfish, especially in your twenties, take those risks, take those big swings, bet on yourself. And if you win, if you get that home run, it can set you up amazingly, you know, whereas you will have to be way more calculated when there's a lot more people. You can always go get a in job later on in life, right? It's like you can always you can always go back to it. It's like it's like just try it when you're young. Peace. Thanks for listening. If you're learning from us, I want you to share this with other business owners who are hustling just like you. Oh, and don't forget, give us your social so we can have all the info. See you on the next one.